I have a thought from the Lord that I want to share with you. A message entitled, Amazing Grace and the Hope of Healing. Amazing Grace and the Hope of Healing. And I would like to develop the biblical concept of physical healing. There's a lot under the concept of healing. There are relational healings and there are financial healings and there are emotional healings and things of that nature which all deserve um, their own time of discovery and own time of discussion. Today I want to focus on the issue of physical healing, but I also want to remind you that there is a spiritual aspect of all kinds of healings, um, an emotional, if you will, aspect of all kinds of healings. Um, and what I'd like to do is develop for a minute this idea of the correlation between hope and healing. So before we go into four aspects of physical healing, I'd like to talk about the relationship between hope and healing. So hope is not necessarily a physical attribute, but it has significant impact on the physical person as well as the emotional person, as well as the spiritual person, as well as relationships between persons and so on. So before we talk about the hope of healing, I want to spend a minute or two on the healing of hope. And what that means is that in order for hope to have its effect in the healing process, sometimes hope itself needs to be healed. Because when you go through some serious difficulties in life, sometimes hope comes under significant attack. And sometimes you lose track of hope. And sometimes hope can be as in need of healing as your physical body or as your relationships or as your finances and so on. And so when I think about hope, I remind myself that we are told that the hope that God gives us is a means by which he heals us. And with that in mind, consider this passage of scripture. Under the point amazing grace and the healing of hope, I want to consider first the power to heal hope. I want to show in the scriptures that there is a power that allows us to receive a healing of any kind of hope that might have been destroyed under some of the difficult circumstances of life. If you remember in the book of Luke, um, in the 24th chapter, Jesus is resurrected, but there are certain of his disciples that have heard about his crucifixion, but not about his resurrection. And the Bible makes it very clear that they were struggling 
with all the things that were going on in their day. So Jesus walks up to them and he says, because they're talking to each other and they're very downcast, they're, they're in despair, um, they are depressed. He's speaking to them and asking them, what conversation is this that you're having among yourselves that's making you so sad? And their answer is, are you new to this community? Have you not heard of all the things that are happening in these days? And then he said, what things? And they begin to say, of, of Jesus of Nazareth. He was a, a man mighty in power, mighty in word and in deed. And we thought that he was going to be that one to us in this generation that we had been waiting for all of this time. And then they end the conversation. You can almost see it as it were. They're, they're speaking and then their voices are trailing off at the end. And they're saying, but we had hoped that he would be the one. And so the Bible says that Jesus, he walks with them. He talks with them. He allows them to express their heart. He allows them to express their concerns. And then he takes them back to the Holy Scriptures. And he says to them, oh, foolish, slow of heart to believe all that the Scriptures says about me. Now here's the picture. It's a picture of someone who is experiencing a time in their history where everything that was their expectation seems to be dashed to the ground. And they are wondering what happened. I thought that when I placed my faith in Jesus that everything was going to be just so. And now Jesus is walking with them just like he said that he would. When he said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, he's walking with them, but they don't recognize him. So he begins to expound to them and explain to them through all the scriptures who he is, what he does, why the circumstances, why the difficulties, why the hardships, until finally he sits with them, he breaks bread with them. In other words, he engages them in communion. So he engages them in the word, he engages them in communion. And when they receive the bread, the Bible says that their eyes were opened and they knew it was him. And then the Bible says that they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us when he began to speak to us of the scriptures? In other words, wasn't our hope reignited when we began to open the Bible again and when we began to allow God to commune with us again? Because sometimes when you're going through life's difficulties and life's hardships and you seem to be blindsided by a terrible tragedy in your life, you can lose focus and sometimes forget to go to the source of your hope, to the source of your joy, to the source 
of your stability and you try to work things out and, and you have some scriptures in your heart and you have some scriptures in your mind and, and you're trying to piecemeal things together and you're trying to cut and paste some ideas and you're trying to have some encouraging snippets of the text, but because you become so overwhelmed, so busy, so trying to figure it out that the organic aspect of Bible study, that wholeness, that communion with God sometimes suffers. And when it suffers, hope is tested. When it suffers, sometimes hope doesn't feel like hope anymore. And so in order for us to even begin to think about healing of things like relationships or emotional healing or spiritual healing or in this case physical healing even, we have got to remind ourselves that we must first open the door to the healing of hope. Now why do we have to open the door to the healing of hope? Because it's by hope that we are healed. In other words, when we choose to hope in the promises of God, we begin to accrue to ourselves and make ourselves accessible to all of the things that he is looking to do in our lives. If I'm not hoping in God, if I'm not hoping in his promises, then I simply give up. And so in order for me to hope, Hope has got to be put together again. That comes through allowing God to walk us through his word again and to engage in communion with him again. When I got sick, it got really, really confusing. I mean, physically confusing. So that the issue was not how spiritually strong I am or how spiritually committed I am. The issue was, how does mind and body work together? Because when your body is seriously sick, seriously hurting, you can't think straight. And so basically you're trying to piecemeal ideas. I've been studying the scripture for a lot of years and I could cut and paste and piecemeal a lot of texts of scripture together and try to run them together to make some sense. But that did not facilitate hope in me because that was not the way hope was ever born in me. I didn't become a person who trusts the word of God by cutting and pasting his scriptures together. I became a person who trusted in the Lord by being with him in the holy place, allowing him to take the word in his own hands and reading it to me so that it had a living, dynamic, vibrant, organic reality. But when you are sick and all of a sudden things are being introduced into your body, you're taking various forms of medication that are necessary for your survival and you're wondering and you're worrying about what's happening in your life and how you're changing and how your body's changing and how everything is changing, it gets confusing, it gets fuzzy, and before you know it, you're just trying to 
reach back and grab as much as you've accumulated over the years and piece it all together, but it doesn't work that way. Ultimately speaking, in order for hope to be hope, in order for hope to be revived, there has to be that time, even if it seems confusion, there has to be that time of quietness where we sit down and we just hear the voice of the Lord. And we allow him to speak to us through his word. And when that happens, then we can begin to allow hope to do its healing work in us. Now, according to the Holy Scriptures, I'm just going to read you a passage from the book of Romans, beginning at the 8th chapter and the 22nd verse. It says, For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together, until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we are saved by hope. That word saved is also a word that's used for healed. And so we recognize that there is a groaning in all of us that says things should be better. That says we should feel better. That we shouldn't be so tired. We shouldn't be so overwhelmed. We should have more energy. We should be able to engage life on a different level. And hope allows us to believe these things and to move toward these things. Otherwise, we simply give up. And we say that's just the way it is, and we just start biding our time. So at a certain stage in my life, I had to make up my mind. I had to make a decision. And this last year has been relatively difficult, which is one of the reasons that we haven't been here as often as we usually are. Because you know, for the most part, that I've been sick for a little while, and thank God I've been getting better, and my wife has also been sick. For me, you know, so that you hear things directly from me, so you don't have to wonder, you know, what's going on and so on and so forth, right? I suffer from complications from diabetes, which means that for a long time, I was not wise in taking care of myself, which is what I'll talk to you about when I talk about the four stages that God uses for physical healing. I was not wise about taking care of myself physically. I was so focused on the spiritual aspects of my being that I neglected my body. As a result, I'm into the kinds of complications that most people with diabetes will never experience or won't experience until later, later, later on in life. They wouldn't be having that kind of struggle at 24 like I'm having. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway. anyway, so I'm dealing with things like heart failure, congestive heart failure, kidney failure, so on and so forth. So, you know, you understand what I'm saying? So when you pray, pray, all right? Pray, pray really loud, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I lost my vision in one of my eyes. I'm, 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 I'm bad. I'm, I'm struggling. But I feel great, strangely enough. And I'm getting healthier. And amen. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm a whole lot better than I was a couple years ago. And that's simply because I've started physically taking care of myself. You know, um, 
when we start to talk about the, the grace of God, we're going to talk about the grace of God on a common level and on a special level, right? Because the Bible says the Lord allows his reign to reign on the just and the unjust. He sends his son on the good and the evil. That means there's a kind of grace that comes from God that it, it just sweeps across all people. And then there's another kind of grace that's specific to God's people. And I think we can benefit from both, right? So my wife um, last year was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So, so we, we, I mean, we're, we're quite a pair, you know what I'm saying? We're dealing with it, you know what I mean? And we're both feeling better. But just in case you wonder why I wasn't around for a little bit, you know, we're still at Summit. We're still taking care of business. But um, yeah, it's been a little bit of a, a, bit of a struggle. But um, thank God, amen. Thank God, you know, we're feeling much, much better. And we're moving in a good direction. So just want to make sure you hear things directly from me because I know how rumors can get, you know. And, um, you know, I've been dead like 17 times from what I understand. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So, so anyway, I was telling Pastor Card, I probably, I probably rose from the grave so much. If nothing else, my abs are tight. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> do do more resurrection sit-ups than the average person. But anyway, so anyway, so what I want to talk to you about is, is four steps, four biblical concepts of physical healing, all to be attributed to God, right? So if I talk about some of the things that don't seem supernatural, that does not mean that it's not attributed to God. Because of the way God made us and the wisdom that God has given us. So when I talk about physical healing, first of all, I say that hope must be in place. Otherwise, we don't allow ourselves to take advantage of the things that God has afforded us for the sake of health and healing. So for instance, if you'll notice, I deal with the issue of common grace and the hope of healing. And I talk about natural healing. Now, natural healing, basically, I I looked at the one text in Psalm uh, 139, where he says, um, the psalmist says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. We know that God has designed us a certain way, that if we apply certain methods, we can stay healthy or we can deal with chronic illness. Things like eating right, things like exercise, things like keeping certain poisons out of our system, things that we as Christians shouldn't be doing anyway. You know what I mean? And doing what we can to maintain ourselves in a way that is very, very practical, right? We know that this afternoon's service is about both healing and about practical living. And this covers both those bases, for us to realize that there are practical things that we can do. So one of the things that I do is I have a, um, a, an exercise bike, you know, in my, um, in my office. And I just work out on my exercise bike and I'll listen to, you know, teaching tapes or whatever I'll read or whatever the case might be. 
because I have to. Physically, if I'm going to be able to do the thing that God has called me to do, then I have to do what it takes to stay nimble, to stay uh, energetic, to stay healthy. And so we have to be careful, right, with what we do, with what we eat, right? You know, there's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trained in this area, but I do know that there are certain things that we can apply. The same thing with regard to medical healing. And with medical healing, we have to remind ourselves as surely as God made us a certain way so that our natural regenerative processes can come into play when we are being healed. So likewise, God has given us medical professionals and he's given medical professionals wisdom so that God can use them. And believe me, there is no contradiction between miracle and medical assistance. You know, you'll see, for instance, when you look at the situation with King Hezekiah, which I don't have in your notes, but King Hezekiah was a person who had gotten sick and the Lord had sent Isaiah after Hezekiah had prayed and asked for help and asked for healing. Um, the Lord sent Isaiah, told him to make uh, a pumice of figs to place on the, the, the wound or the, the illness. But he also said, and when you do this, that, you know, I will heal him. And he gave a miracle to prove that he was going to heal him. And that was causing the sundial to go backwards instead of frontward, you know, which means the, the entire heavens moved so that this person could know that God was working a miracle. And yet God employed medical assistance. What I'm suggesting to you, and of course you see the same thing with the, um, the Good Samaritan, where he finds a man, you know, he, you know, as it were, pours in the oil and the wine, which was always used for medicinal purposes in those days. Um, it's a picture of how medicine can interact with the divine work of God. And I can honestly say, thank God for medicine. Amen, because, you know, if not for medicine, I wouldn't be standing here with you today. That is not something that is contrary to the work of God. It is complementary to the work of God. And I think that when Christians assume, like I did in the past, that that's not as important. And I was never one of those people who had an anti-medical con concept of health. I never thought that it was a lack of faith to use medicine. I just thought that it didn't matter. You know what I mean? And that's where, again, that's where hope comes in. You know, if you actually plan on getting better and you actually believe that God wants you to persist in your ways and to do the things that he's called you to do, then you do whatever it takes to get better. And, you know, you see sometimes in the scripture where the Lord will be upset because a person went to physicians rather than going to the Lord. And that's always the case. If, if I went to physicians rather than going to the Lord, that's a problem. But if I go to the Lord and he sends me to the doctor, I'm going. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times Pastor Carter had begged me to, to go to the doctor, go to the doctor, until he finally drowned me to the doctor. You know what I mean? Because I just was like, no, I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the truth of the matter is we need to recognize that there is this um, correlation. So maybe I can, for, for this moment, I can be, you know, to you what Pastor Carter was to me. And just, if you're sick, if you're not feeling good, if you know you need to see a doctor, see a doctor. They're not that scary. They don't even make you take all your clothes off anymore. I mean, I was, 
<laughs> Back in the day, I was like, nah, no, thank you so much. I'll be, I'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, <laughs> now, now they're pretty, you know what I mean? They let you maintain a certain amount of modesty and a wee bit of decorum. So, you know, I mean, you, you do not want to lose his dignity, right? You know? But you, you do what you got to do, right? You know? So anyway, my point is I, I realized that that was a big part of, you know, so again, with regard to practical living, if you need meds, take your meds. That don't mean you stop praying. It don't mean you stop believing. You know, it, it means that you recognize that it's God who's working. It's still grace. It's still grace. God gives wisdom. I mean, uh, doctors don't come out of the womb, you know what I'm saying, with, with medication in their pocket. You know what I'm saying? It's here when they get here. You know what I mean? It's all over the place. They learn how to synthesize stuff that's naturally here. And so for us to recognize that God gives wisdom and God has provided the materials, then we should take full advantage of it. Now, the next thing I want you to consider is special grace and the hope of healing. There is something to be said, especially for those of us who believe in the supernatural power of God, especially for those of us who preach a Pentecostal message and who cling to a Pentecostal message, there is something always to be said about the miraculous, something always to be said about the supernatural. But like I showed you in the case of Hezekiah, the one thing does not cancel out the other thing. I don't have to say that because I know that the God that I serve is a miracle working God, that I never have to do a 30-minute workout or something to that effect. Or it doesn't matter if I eat seven hot dogs and 15 hamburgers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> believe me, I like my hot dogs and, I ha and my hamburgers. So, so I, I got to do a little extra praying, right? You know what I mean? But Because <laughs> I, I need like that much miracle on the scale, right? You know, because I'm going to have some hamburgers, right? You know, but anyway, boy, <laughs> the point that I'm working out is we can coexist with the reality that we live, you know, in a fallen world and that our, our spirits have been redeemed, but our bodies will be redeemed. In the meantime, we still got to deal with some things, but there is still miracle. Remember in the days of old when um, the Israelites were building the wall again after they it actually was the house of Judah after they had been expelled and taken into Babylon. Now they're going back into Jerusalem and they build the wall. The wall took them 52 days or something like that. It should have taken months. It could have taken years to build. And so even though they were working at it, it was still miraculous. You see the same thing happening when Jesus you know, progressively heals people where he, sometimes he just, boom, he just heals them. Other times, you'll notice that he might put some mud on their eye and tell them to, to wash it off, or he'll touch an eye and say, what do you see? And they say, I see, I see men as trees. In other words, I, I, I have my vision, but it's still blurry. You know what I mean? And then he touches them again. And so sometimes God will work supernaturally, and it's still progressive. But you know that something's happening well beyond what should be happening. Or you know that you're on a timeline that's well beyond the timeline that the doctors had expected. Or you realize things that doctors have told you will never regenerate. You know, we can make it so it doesn't go any worse, but it will never regenerate. And all of a sudden you sense God doing something supernatural 
and you'll notice the doctors are seeing things happening that they did not expect to happen. Or they said, well, by two years from now, this will be the case. And five years later, that's not come to pass because God has done something wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it allows us to track our health. It allows us to track our development. And it allows us to not only receive miracles, but to bear witness to those miracles as we talk to doctors and the nurses and so on and so forth, or as we talk to other patients and this, that, and the other, as we talk to our brothers and sisters in the house of the Lord and so on. So there is the miraculous involved. I'll just read you a portion of scripture from Matthew eleven four, And Jesus told them, and this is after John had been imprisoned and John was asking, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? Because things were not going quite the way that John had expected. And Jesus sends messengers back. He says, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. The lepers, he says, are healed, cleansed, the blind see, so on and so forth. And he says, blessed is that person who doesn't turn away because of me. In other words, the person who doesn't lose hope. But the person that allows hope to be responded to by God according to God's own wisdom and according to God's own timing. If it's God who places the hope in us, then God reserves the right to gratify that hope according to what he knows to be the best thing for us. And so there is clearly the miraculous. There is clearly God working signs and wonders. In my experience, I can tell you all three of the things that I just mentioned to you, I have experienced. I have experienced miraculous healing. I have experienced the benefit of medical science. And I have seen changes in my life and in my body, even changes in my mind as I discipline myself to do some basic things that will simply help my body's natural regenerative process. Just taking certain things seriously, taking a walk here to there and so on and so forth, doing whatever I can to facilitate, not just medical science, but to facilitate miraculous power. To say, in essence, to God, I know that you are going to do something miraculous. I know that you are going to do a miraculous work. I know that you're going to do a healing. I know it. Now, in the back of my mind, you understand, I, I'm expecting God to do something wonderful. I'm expecting God to do something awesome. Not just for me, but for you. I'm expecting God to do something awesome. I believe above everything in the miraculous power of God. And I believe in the grace of God. I believe in the goodness of God. I believe that God wants men and women healthy. Now, I'm of this opinion. Everybody that comes to Jesus will be healed. Now, 
but, but there is a caveat. <laughs> you, but you have to ask certain people. Like you have to ask um, the, the, the widow uh, of Cain. You can ask her son. Or you, you could ask Jairus' daughter. Or, or you could ask Lazarus. And what they're going to tell you is some people that get healed by Jesus gets healed after they die. <laughs> and so, so I am convinced that everybody who comes to Jesus will eventually be healed. <laughs> some on this side of eternity, some on that side of eternity. You know, there's an already but not yet line when it comes to the kingdom of God. This line, right? You know what I mean? It says, some of what Christ has done for us is available already. And some of the things that he's done for us are not yet available, but they will be on that side of eternity. Now, some people are going to be supernaturally healed on this side of eternity. Now, I've experienced supernatural healings. I shouldn't be standing here, to be honest with you. But God has healed me. There's still process. It's still working. It's still going, right? And I still expect more and more and more. But I'm all right with the idea that every one of us will ultimately be healed from top to bottom, from head to toe. And in those days, we won't have to worry about anything else. We won't have to worry about getting sick again. We won't have to worry about sorrow or pain or anguish. Notice what the text of Scripture says in the book of 1 Corinthians. It says, if in this life we have hope in Christ only, that is to say, if, if it's only on this side of eternity that we have hope in Christ, then of all men we are most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The body is sown in corruption. In other words, it's planted in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Now the reality of it is, is no matter how healthy we are on this side of eternity, it is nothing compared to what awaits us. No matter how well we put ourselves together, it is nothing compared to what God is looking to do for us. And everything in us and everything around us, all the heavens and the earth, according to what Paul says, in the book of Romans, everything is groaning in travail, waiting for that day. For all the people of God to come into what we 
ultimately will be. You see, that won't just be a physical healing for us. It will be healing in every way. And it won't just be individual healings, but it will be healing of relationships. It will be healing of the nations. It will be healing of all of our relationships with God so that there will be nothing standing between us and God. It will be healing of all of the universe. Everything that's now barren and cold and dry and dismal. Everything will teem with life. Everything will stand in the presence of God giving glory and honor and praise. There will come a time when the healing power of Jesus Because the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. When the healing power of Jesus has its full effect on all of creation. In those days, brothers and sisters, there will be no more sighing. There will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more deception. There will be no more devil. There will be no more demons. be joy unspeakable and full of glory there will be health and peace there will be strength and sustenance but in the meantime we are a witness to those times and so we expect miracles on this side of eternity We expect health and healing on this side of eternity. The Christian person is not a soul that happens to be encased in a body. Because Jesus died to redeem both soul and body. And when we are raised again, it will be a physical resurrection, just like Jesus' resurrection is physical and actual. It matters, according to the scriptures, what we do with our body on this side of eternity. And God has a plan for our body on that side of eternity. And so, as a witness to what Christ has done, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God is going to take care of us. God is going to give us strength. God is going to give us health. God is going to give us healing. There's a lot of work that we still have to do. There's a lot of lives that we still have to touch. There's a lot of impact that we still have to bring to this generation. And the children of God will not go down until our work has been done. We will not stop preaching. We will not stop praying. We will not stop marching. We will not stop impacting this generation because there is a call upon our lives. We must fulfill our destiny. And we will be healed. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to do the smart thing. You're going to eat a little bit better. You're going to exercise a wee bit more. 
And as Christians, we've already decided that we're not going to put any poisons in our system. We're going to treat our brothers and our sisters with respect and dignity, staying away from unholy and unhealthy relationships. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it matters what we do with our body. And God is going to touch us. God is going to help us. Hallelujah. 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 And we're going to have a testimony. We're going to talk to one another. We're going to preach to one another. We're going to remind one another of what God can do. We're going to talk about the goodness of God. We're going to overthrow the power of the enemy. We're going to overcome the power of sin. We're going to beat the devil to the dust. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. I'll say this and I will close. I might be going through this and that and I can rally, rattle off all of this and that that I've struggled with. And yeah, I've been in some battles and I've seen some things and I've got some scars. But you ought to see the other guy. Because I ain't playing, baby. We got some business. And we ain't stopping till we're through. And that's the case with all of us. So we're going to pray this afternoon. And we're going to pray that God restore hope in all of us. So that we can fight this fight. That we can do what we've been called to do. That every single one in this room can fulfill the call of God on his or her life. And none of us stop short. And none of us turn back. And none of us stand still, but that we move forward. Until God be glorified in the earth again. Until this planet peels with his presence. Until it rings with his glory. Until it be known once again among men and women. That there is such an one as God. And that God has not forgotten. That the call of God is still on our lives. That we are not going to finish until it's done. Let's stand together in the house of the Lord. If God is speaking to you and you're saying, this has been a great service because this has been a healing service. This is where we come together to pray for one another. The elders come and lay hands upon us and anoint us with oil. This is is definitely about healing, but it's also about hope. 
Because if there's no hope, you don't come up for the prayer. If there's no hope, you don't put in that little extra work, that little extra exercise. You don't, you don't say, well, I can, I can eat this today, but I'm not going to eat it tomorrow. Or, you know, I'm only going to do this once or twice a week rather than, you know, if I, you know. We don't do that because we say, what difference does it make? But hope says, no, I have a responsibility. I have a call. It matters that I'm here and it matters that I'm healthy. Without, without hope, we don't, we don't take our meds. What, what difference does it make? You know, it, it's, it's only going to happen this way or that way anyway. So. But hope says, no, whatever it takes to do this thing that God has called me to do. Without hope, we stop praying for miracles. We stop believing for signs and wonders, but we're not going to stop believing for signs and wonders. We're not going to stop believing for miracles. Without hope, we can't look across that great river and see the glories that await us. We can't see the promises. See, but, but, but hope allows us to know that we have the best of both worlds. We can rejoice on this side of eternity and rejoice forevermore on that side. And I'm praying, God, restore hope because hope heals. As God is speaking to you this afternoon, whether you're here with us on the balcony, whether you're here on the ground floor, whether you're with us online, and I'm online with you all the time. If you're with us online, we're going to ask you to just pray. If you're on the ground floor, you can begin to come to the front of the auditorium even as we're speaking. If you're in the balcony, please, we'll wait for you. I know it's a bit of an inconvenience sometimes to come down, but please. Because people need to know that there are people who are standing with them, that, that nobody here is alone. I don't know if the annex is open at this hour, but if it is, come to the front, stand between the screens. If you're at home, stand, if you can, in the presence of the great and the holy God and just ask them to restore hope. Like I told you, sometimes it's hard when you're, when you're going through it. You know, you got new meds going through your system. Sometimes it's hard to think clearly or you got new problems and you're trying to think financially. How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to pay for that? How, how is this all going to come together? And it gets a little confusing. And then you say, God, I'll tell you what, here, you take this Bible in your hand and you read it to me. Because I'm not going to try to piecemeal scriptures together now and try to memorize this text and that text. You, you take the Bible in your hand and you read it to me. And you sing your songs to me and you help me to understand what this is about. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. We live in a very despairing world. You listen to people talk and so much despondency, so much cynicism, so much unbelief. And listen, you don't have to be a smoker, right, to be in a smoke-filled room and breathe in some of that secondhand smoke. And all in the media, everywhere you turn, people are telling you there is no hope. And even though you're a Christian and you don't buy into that, sometimes you breathe it. Secondhand smoke is as deadly, as, a, as dangerous as being a smoker. Some of the stuff that you hear, some of the stuff that you hear, some of the stuff that you hear, you understand? It gets in there. It gets in there. It gets in there. So we're going to ask God to breathe into us. 
Hallelujah. We're going to ask him to breathe the breath of life into us. To breathe away from us cynicism, skepticism, doubt, unbelief, all those things. Things that we don't espouse ourselves, but we hear it everywhere we go. You hear it on the job. You, you can't go anywhere without hearing it. And God is, going to, God is just going to breathe on you. New life, new life, new life. If in your heart right now, you say, bro, well, I, 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 it's not that I don't feel good physically, but I, I'm going through some emotional struggles. Even though the message was about a physical healing, you come too. If you're going through emotional struggles, you come. If you need to be healed emotionally, you come. You say, Brother Will, I, I, I just, I've just been in a relationship and, and man, I just heard some news and I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought everything was everything, and now I don't know what to think. I don't know what to feel. You come too. You come. And if there's somebody in this house who says, I have to start at square one, I need my relationship with God healed. I, I need. I need to be a Christian. There might be one person or two in this house who can say that. But then you need to come here too. God is with you. We're just praying, God, give hope. Give hope. You know what the Bible says? And then we're going to pray. You know what the hope of this world is? The hope of this generation? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. We are the hope of this generation. This generation should not be the despair of us. Our hope should be contagious to them, not their despondency and their despair and their depression and their cynicism and their skepticism. That shouldn't be affecting us. We should be affecting them. God is with you, brothers and sisters. God is with you. Brothers and sisters upstairs. God is speaking to you. I'll wait for another moment or two. I know you can pray where you are. And when I was first starting to come to the church, I'd pray in the balcony plenty of times rather than coming down. But one of the things I learned about the altar call is it shows solidarity you see when you're struggling with hope the first thing that you think is that you're the only one and when you have people standing side by side with you you realize that you're fighting the good fight you're fighting the good fight and this is part of it you just have to fight it you just have to fight it right Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much. We recognize that this is real. This is not a game. Nobody here is playing games. None of us here are entertainers. Life is too short for us to be perpetually
deceiving ourselves and trying to clench our fists and grit our teeth and make something happen. Lord, we're preaching from our heart. We're preaching the depths of our soul. This is no audition for greater office and greater power. This is a laying down of one's life for God's sheep. Lord, we are asking you because we know that we can trust you. We're asking you to restore hope. Lord, we all breathe in secondhand smoke in this generation. Even though we don't embrace the lies of this generation, we hear them so often. Holy Spirit of Jesus, we're asking you to breathe fresh air into our lungs. And to breathe hope into us, oh Jesus. Hope that will motivate us to do the practical things in life and to expect the miraculous. God, we're expecting great things, Lord. I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this room the same way I pray for my wife or for myself. That you will do miracles in our life. Hallelujah. That you will do the supernatural. But that in your wisdom, you won't allow us to neglect the practical. This service engages practical living and prayer for supernatural healing. We don't let one thing cancel out the other, but that they work together. And so, Jesus, we thank you that we can hope biblically, that we don't have a false hope, a hope that deceives. We have a biblical hope. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray against confusion. I pray against any confusion that comes from circumstances and difficulties and some that might come through a chemical imbalance based on any medication that they might have to take and as the body gets used to it or the body tries to balance it. Any chemical imbalance that comes from the illness itself. Those who are standing in proxy for others that they love who are suffering and struggling. Who can say, Physically, I'm doing well, but my husband, my wife, my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, my son, my daughter. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Give hope, oh God. Hope, oh God. Hope, hope, hope. God, hope. That defies anything that might have been spoken to them by people who might have 
the science to understand the illness, but who might lack the spirit to see the big picture? God, we're asking you to help. We thank you, Lord, finally for those men and women who are in this congregation, who are in the medical field, who not only bring medical science, but who bring a word from God. We thank you for doctors and for nurses and for EMTs and for first responders and we thank you for every person that's involved, Lord. And we thank you for the men and women in this church who dare to lay hands on the sick and expect a healing. We thank you for people who still believe in miracles. And now, Lord, we pray finally for our elders who take on the burden of praying for the sick week after week after week. We're asking you, Lord, to continue to give them hope and continue to work through them supernaturally. Lord, protect their families, protect their minds. They have to see so much pain so often. God, protect them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we will thank you for it, oh God. And we will bless you for it. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.